Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Trey Wasser, who's the CEO of Ely Gold Royalties. Now, a number of you have sent in questions, and we put those to Trey, which are around the growth plans for this year, targets, acquisitions, and what Mr. Eric Sprott is going to be able to do for them. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Trey, how are you, sir? Hey, very good. How are you? Not bad. Long time. I think we spoke in uh, Crikey, end of August, right? Yeah, it's uh, we've uh, we've been busy boys since then. I saw that. I saw that. That's why we wanted to speak to you. Plus, uh, your share price has doubled, which is uh, even better, right? Um, so, why don't you kick off for people new to this story and give them that one minute overview, and then we'll pick up on some of some of these uh, good news stories. Okay. Uh, yeah, Ely Gold Royalties is a is a junior royalty company, uh, meaning that's that's really defined more by market cap. You know, we're now right, right around a hundred million dollars uh, fully diluted market cap in a space junior space with other companies running hundred to uh, uh, three four hundred million dollars, and uh, <clears throat> we uh, uh, generate royalties by purchasing royalties uh, from third parties that are existing on. Uh, producing or near-term producing assets. And also we generate royalties through our extensive property portfolio in Nevada uh, and uh, by selling the properties and retaining a royalty. Right. Okay. Last time we spoke, um, you were kind of helping us understand where you positioned yourself. And there's that kind of, you know, sub 300 million dollar uh you know for there's four or five of you around that sort of level and then you kind of step up to your sandstorm you know sub a billion and then above that's the, the francos and the weakness of this world which are several billions of dollars so you're trying to work your way up that that curve so could you kind of maybe update us as the the types of deals that you're looking at now compared to back in august well sure the uh, the uh the main thing for us is is with the growth uh, has come uh, the ability to look at larger deals. And this is where you really get the leverage in a junior royalty company and why, you know, in our presentation, we have uh, a slide that shows even the big boys, Franco and, and uh, Royal Gold, uh, the incredible compounded growth they saw in the first three or four years in existence. And the reason is, is that we, as we grow, when we talked in August, we were doing one to $2 million deals because we were a $25, $30 million market cap. Uh, today, we, you know, are, uh, we've been looking at more five to $10 million deals. And so each one of those obviously adds a lot more leverage each time we, each time we do them. And we've, we've announced two here recently that we're in the process of closing uh, that are seven to $8 million deals. Okay, well, I mean, you said, I think the phrase you used with us back in August was, you know, that's the, the, the point at which you can do deals of those size, you'd see some kind of hockey stick type growth for you. And obviously your share price and your market cap would suggest that that has been the reaction in the marketplace. So what was that, what was that sea change there? Was it getting access to Eric Sprott's money? What's allowed you to kind of do these bigger deals? Well, that certainly didn't hurt. Uh, the stock price uh, helped us uh, without, uh, we did one small financing with Eric and then he also, uh, we did a deal in uh, October, November where he gave us a $6 million uh, line of credit 
uh, convertible line of credit. And uh, so that helped. Also with the stock price increase, we uh, had a lot of our uh, warrants exercised and gave us some capital. So just that natural growth that you see as, as the company grows, uh, warrant expansion, uh, you know, we and we've done it uh, other than the line of credit without uh, without diluting shareholders much more from where they were. Right. And are you seeing some? I mean, we've got to talk about them. We can't have this conversation without talking about the market since August. Obviously, gold saw a dramatic uh, increase in price, really helped. And then, of course, more recently, the stock market's um, doing a a reset. I think we'll call it. I mean, have those two things affected your business positively or negatively? Well, look, it, uh, um, it's a difficult market now. And uh, luckily, we, like I said, we've been cashed up. So we've been able to, we're able to execute the deals we have on the table now uh, in, in, by drawing on the line of credit and using cash on hand. Uh, <clears throat> so, I, you know, it's, it's been very difficult market. Uh, uh, and, and actually, I think from August, uh, I, I'm not looking at a chart here, but I, I think while gold made a little run here up to 60, high 1600s, it's back down to 1550, probably about where it was in August. And the stocks uh, were the most part in the junior mining sector uh, and, um, and, and the royalty sector have seen a significant pullback from their highs. Uh, we at one point uh, touched a dollar a share and they pulled back now to 60 cents, which is still great for us as far as the performance this year, but uh, not, not you know, we, we have uh, given some back. But how, how does that, how do those market conditions help you do deals? You know, does it make, so is money, money readily available for the kind of companies that you're talking to, or are you a kind of lender of last resort to them? I mean, what, what does it, what does it look, what's that conversation look like? Well, look, most of our royalties we're buying from third parties. And, uh, and, and again, most of our deals have, have come from private uh, or third parties. So we are seeing, you know, people uh, where the overall stock market has dropped and uh, cash is king, more apt to sell these royalties than they were when, uh, you know, their stock portfolios were flying high and they didn't really feel like they needed uh, uh, needed the cash. So we're seeing some opportunities open up there, but uh, for the most part, it's, uh, uh, it, 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 we haven't seen a big effect, but let's keep in mind here, uh, you know, this market correction, the, the severity of it really only started here in the last two weeks. So. True, true. Um, and I, th- I think it's, it's been coming a long time, but if, if I may just stick on this topic for, for a while. So you've kind of got this economic reset in the equity space, you've also got people, you know, banging the drum of two thousand dollar gold. I mean, where where do you sit? What are your thoughts about the market? Well, look, uh, things things are kind of a mess out there, and uh, of course, this Corona virus has has just uh, even sparked more uncertainty, that type of thing, and and it's driven the central banks around the world to um, start to stimulate the economies again, and. Uh, we have this this oil price drop that I, I don't know what the significance there is going to be, but uh, uh, longer term. But uh, you know, all these things are inflationary. Uh, when the you know you have the Federal Reserves around the world uh, uh, printing basically printing more money again, 
and, and, and injecting stimulus, and that's generally good for gold. It's generally good for gold, but again, it hasn't necessarily been the case for some of the bigger producers who've taken a big whack to the bottom line. Um, it seems like the rules don't apply anymore. I mean, well, look, I don't. I think what you you have to differentiate here is that the stocks have dropped quite a bit, but the bottom line for these gold companies is is staying quite strong. Now, you know, gold. Uh, Gold this week has pulled back, uh, I don't know, maybe $75, uh, $80 uh, back down to the 560 level or 1560, I'm sorry. Uh, but, um, you know, so and the, and the stocks have dropped quite a bit more, but they, you know, their, their costs are not increasing. In fact, fuel costs are going down. Uh, so a lot of their operating costs are, are going the other way. So I think you have to differentiate here. And I think I think some of the producing gold companies right now are, are very attractive buys. And of course, the royalty companies. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the royalty companies, I thought you would say. Um, so give, give me, uh, so th thanks for talking about the market. It, it's difficult to call right now. I think every, everyone's sort of waiting to see what, what happens at the moment. And I know we certainly are. Um, can you help us understand the types of companies that you are looking at? You've talked about deal sizes, but that doesn't necessarily, necessarily tell us much about the, the, the companies themselves. You, I think you've hinted some are you know, private, you're buying private from private companies and so forth. Are you also being reached out to buy you know, public companies who are perhaps struggling to raise cash? And wh where do your deals come from? Well, look, what we don't do in the royalty space and have not done up to this point, and mm -hmm. typically you don't see junior uh, companies doing a lot of it, is we don't lend money to companies for development of a mine to earn a royalty. Uh, you know, the, the larger companies with more cash will be part of the a financing package when a, when a mine is being built. That's how the uh, large as Franco Nevadas and even the sandstorms uh, generate most of their deals. Uh, what we do is uh, search out third-party existing royalties, and and generally they'll either be from companies that uh, had sold a property way back and kept an interest, or uh, mm. uh, in, in some cases, uh, many cases, it's it's private individuals that have these royalties and. In some cases, it's it's old royalties that have existed since the 80s uh, on properties, and and the heirs own them. Uh, so, and then of course, and in, in, in where we differentiate ourselves from the other junior royalty companies is we focus our capital strictly on royalties that are producing or near-term producing. We have to see a window, very short window, to where these royalties will be generating income for for us. Where some of our competitors will give money to companies to go out and do exploration. We don't do that because we have our generative program where we are actually getting paid to generate those kind of royalties. Uh, we stake properties, we uh, consolidate property packages. We've been very successful in selling to the major mid-tier uh, producers, uh, again, mainly in Nevada properties and retaining the royalty. So we make re make revenue when we sell the property and then still retain the royalty. And it allows us to focus our current capital on just those producing and uh, 
and near-term producing royalties. Look at that. I mean, I, I asked the question because, you know, obviously, again, when we talked to you, you were about exploration, development, and hopefully near-term. But as you've had access to capital, you have evolved. You've evolved your thinking. You've evolved your position in the marketplace. And I guess you're having different types of conversations now. And that's, I, I'm interested in that, um, you know, evolving uh, process that you're, you're going through. So, because again, I think there's the numbers we, we talked about, you had something like 70 different properties last time, you know, with 30, 33 royalties, 20 properties and uh, sold uh, on four-year option plans and another 20, 25 properties available for sale. So the, the, the way you were structured day one is not the way you are to now, which is, you know, not even six months later, right? Um, you know, so what, what does the end of this year look like for you as you keep evolving? Uh, well, you know, maybe the, the, the best way to look at that uh, and, uh, you know, if, uh, looking at the chart of our revenue uh, based ro both royalty revenue and uh, the uh, sale revenue from our from the sale portfolio mm. and seeing what that is looking like over the next uh, next few years, uh, we expect to do about five plus five to six million in revenue this year. Uh, about evenly split between royalty revenue and uh, sale revenue. But starting next year and, and going into 2022, we have these projects we've reached, recently purchased since the last time we talked, that'll be starting to generate royalty revenue and we'll be kicking up to $8 million, uh, $12 million by uh, 2023 with what's on the books today we expect to be much larger by then with more transactions but you know just what we've put on the books since uh, the last time we we spoke uh you know has about doubled that uh revenue profile mainly on the royalty side and and if you'd like we could you know dig in a little bit and talk about some of the exact transactions and how how they set up yeah let, 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 let's let's do that but i'm um, just let, let's finish off on this bit because again I'm, I'm just trying to get an idea of how you guys are changing are you still entrepreneurial at heart or but with more money flooding in are you changing your view of life what have you learned in the last six months because you're clearly a different company well, look, this this business plan, uh, we're just executing the business plan. And as I pointed out before, we're at that hockey stick point in the curve where the leverage really kicks in. So being an old bond trader, you know, it never made, it didn't bother to me whether I did a trade for a million dollars or $10 million or a hundred million dollars. It was just adding another zero. Uh, the trade basically is the same. Uh, so. That's the same thing we're looking at here, just looking at larger deals and deals uh, money-wise and, uh, and deals that uh, have more impact to our growth because of that they're adding to that uh, either current revenue or near-term revenue line uh, with, with additional royalty income. Okay, so you're not getting casual about this. It's just when we see companies grow and develop, money comes in, people change, they forget what they're out to do. They forget the business plan and they stop delivering. So you're very clear about where you're going, are you? We're, we're still having a lot of fun doing this. And uh, I mean, I think you can look and see uh, really in the last, uh, well, since the first of the year, let's just say we, we ended last year, we, we purchased four 
producing or near-term producing royalties. Mm. We entered this year with the, uh, one of our major goals was to add four more producing or near-term producing royalties. Well, uh, here it is the middle of March and we've already announced uh, that we've purchased five producing or near-term producing royalties. So clearly we've already met our goal for the year. Now the, your question is, does that mean we're gonna take the rest of the year off? Uh, and the answer to that is no. We, uh, we intend to uh, you know, just, just keep doing the deals. We have, uh, we've announced I think three property sale deals uh, in that side of the portfolio since the first of the year and probably a oh, six or eight since the last time we spoke so no we're we're still very active and we're we're fortunate in that you know while m most royalty companies offer geographical diversification with properties all around the world we really don't we're just we're pretty much focused in nevada the good news is is that nevada is the number one mining jurisdiction uh, it's very close to home here. We don't have to even take the passport when we when we travel there, uh, and and we know Nevada better than anybody else. So we're able to ferret things out. That uh, you know this recent transaction that we announced for the purchasing this VEK Corporation with five royalties, two of them near term producing. Uh, you know, with that, that's something that uh, Franco Nevada and 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 uh, our competitors have been chasing for years. Well, so tell us about that deal, to, because I think you have said that that is going to be a very meaningful. It's going to um, like the Fenelon deal. It's going to be very meaningful for you. So give, break that deal down for us, and where the certainty uh, and confidence comes from about that. Well, uh, VEK is a very interesting situation because this is a corporation that was started by Ralph Roberts, who's a legendary geologist. He worked for the uh, Geological Survey in the 60s. He's the one who really identified uh, a, the uh, old lower plate Carlin style uh, deposits. Uh, really was the, a mentor for the, some of the people who made those discoveries, John Livermore and, and Andy Wallace and, uh, and Homestake Mining. And, uh, uh, but at the time, he is in the 60s and 70s and even early 80s, he was working for the survey, so he couldn't stake properties. But he basically told them where to drill at Gold Strike, where to drill at Marigold. And in the, in the 80s, he, was, he retired and was able to start staking properties. So these are properties that five properties, four of them are leased to new, the Newmont uh, Barrick Joint Venture, Barrick Newmont Joint Venture, uh, and one to Marigold to SSR Mining. And they're just critical Carlin trend, I mean, 90210 area code uh, kind of properties. The, uh, the Marigold, of course, is a producing mine. Uh, we've got some key claims there that are in the mine plan with deposits that have already been identified for starting in 2022 uh, right. and, and uh, expanding into 2028. Then the other key property is called the Wren. Uh, this is some property just north of, of uh, Barracks Gold Strike Mine which has produced over 54 million ounces. Uh, it's an extension of the underground mine. It's right on the major fault, the post fault that, that was, is responsible for all this mineralization. 
Uh, it's just east of uh, Barrick and Premier's South Arturo mine. Uh, it's got two million ounces identified on it. And uh, while we haven't been to site yet, uh, the people at Barrick tell us that they're already, they've got a permit to, to mine those two million ounces and, and are excited to get in there and, and uh, not only mine that, but uh, also explore that entire property. Uh, which could host many, 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 many more ounces. Okay, well, let's talk about. It. You used a phrase there. You said they're ready to start in 2022. Do you, by that, do you mean get into production 2022 or? Correct. In the right. case of Marigold, it's in their it's in their mine plan. Their 2018 uh, 43101 has a mine plan. It shows the pictures of uh, each year which pit is going to turns blue and. Um, you know, uh, we've got a copy of that map on our website. And so, you know, we're very confident that one's going to be producing. And the RAN, again, we know that it's permitted and that they are drifting in there now underground. This is, the RAN is a very deep deposit, about 3,000 feet. Uh, and that's why it, it hasn't really been explored to uh, to expand the two million ounces, but we think okay. we'll get much bigger. So, for you and for shareholders, in two years' time, you can start to see some revenue flowing back into your company. Yeah, that's. I guess that's what people care that's about. Definitely. Right. Okay. Exactly. Right. Especially in the junior space, you know, the junior space is a lot about not what your always what your cash flow and revenue is now. Of course, you know, uh, to. The, the key for us and, and something else that's happened at, uh, since the last time we talked is we are uh, you know very much cash flow positive now with some of the acquisitions and royalties and the portfolio that we even that we start you know uh, started with uh, uh, or, or had last year when we spoke. Well, you talk, you uh, talked so about last year you had we a, can weather any storm. Yeah, you you, you talked about a four, and, four million in revenue in two thousand nineteen and a GNA of only two. So, you know, positive cash flow there, but you've you've had to spend a lot of money, and I know you've got this facility from Sprott, and money is getting cheaper for you to raise as your market you know, as your market cap goes up, as your share price goes up. So, you know, it's it's all good news, but people need to understand with royalties streaming, the kind of annuity stream type structure here is there is there are delays to cash flow, and ultimately. Small junior companies rely on cash flow, but you don't appear to be suffering from any of those issues. Well, I think if you look at the our peers in the group that we compare ourselves to, we're in the, kind of in the in the same position. You know, mm -hmm. we've got that revenue coming in, uh, <clears throat> and now we added a tran another transaction here uh, uh, this year already, and that was buying a. From Eric Sprott, a 0.5% royalty on the pro currently producing Jarrett Canyon mine. Mm -hmm. So that mine will produce about 135,000 ounces this year. Uh, that that equates to about a million and a half dollars in revenue for us that we've added. Uh, now we haven't closed that transaction because it'll take Eric over 20% ownership. So we need approval from the shareholders at our meeting annual meeting in uh, the first week in May. Hmm. However, the deal is structured where uh, we signed that deal on February 3rd and from signing we are accruing the royalty. So uh, we will get almost a full year of royalty, uh, royalty payments uh, from that this year. 
Okay. Uh, combine that with a few other smaller royalties that we've purchased. And, you know, we'll now, we now have three that are producing. So the Isabella Pearl has, has gone into production. Uh, so that's revenue we didn't have last year. We should see about 350,000 from, uh, from that uh, royalty this year. The Jarrett Canyon per ton royalty, uh, we in last year's numbers only had about half of the year. Uh, we've also seen with the price of gold, the, uh, the per ton rate has gone up. So we'll, uh, we should see about uh, 400,000 in revenue from that this year. So all combined there, you know, in, in deals since last time we talked and uh, we've, uh, you know, we're, we've, we've added uh, a, a little over $2 million in royalty revenue hmm. uh, that'll be on the books uh, for 2020. Right. Okay, so that, and going forward, of course, of course, of course, it, you know, um, I what I, I guess what I'm interested in is the way that these these deals are getting you known. Okay, you get you're being known in the market. The convers are deals getting easier to do because you're you're doing more deals. You've been around for a while. Obviously, Eric getting involved is is very very helpful. Um, so, are deals easier to do? Are people coming to you or? You know, because when you're starting out, it's a little bit difficult, isn't it? Who are these guys? Well, it, we've always had the advantage of uh, Jerry uh, Bachman, at, who runs our Nevada subsidiary and is our, uh, you know, our main land guy. Uh, and uh, and Bill Sheriff, our, yeah. uh, uh, one of our directors, between them have about 80 years of experience operating in Nevada. So not only does that mean they know where the best properties are, but they know where these royalties are. So we're able to go track them down. And, uh, you know, of course, an, another thing we do that, that I think is very important and, and, and is borne out both in our generative program and in our royalty program, purchase royalty purchase program, is we get to know an asset. And once we get to know the asset, uh, then we look for other opportunities around that asset. So Jarrett Canyon would be as an example. We did a lot of due diligence when we bought last year the per ton royalty. So I've been after Eric to sell me this half a percent NSR for a while. Mm. And don't be surprised if later this year you see another transaction on Jarrett Canyon because we're just very excited about that asset. It's got a tremendous upside potential, an excellent land package that's never really been explored. Uh, and then you can look at the property portfolio and see where at uh, Isabella Pearl, where we have one of our producing royalties for three quarter percent, but then all the exploration ground where gold resource is drilling now, uh, we have a two and a half percent royalty. And then we have uh, 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 on the satellite uh, uh, projects to that, Mina Golden County line, we have royalties. So over the years, hmm. we expect we might be paid uh, at Isabella Pearl on multiple royalties. And uh, the same at McEwen's Gold Bar Mine. We've just added uh, this, uh, well, since last time we talked, we've done a transaction where we sold them our Gold Bar property and kept a royalty. Uh, I think they assumed the Gold Canyon property. And then we purchased from private parties uh, a royalty on some key exploration ground and uh, just announced another purchase of some claims that are leased to McEwen 
both on some key exploration ground and uh, a deposit there. Of, uh, we're, not, we're not sure how big that is, but we think it's at least 50,000 ounces uh, that will get mined at that. So we're, we're, we're okay. that's a big part of how we track these things down is it's not always top down and, and just looking for a royalty, but being focused on assets where we know the royal, we know the project very well, and and track things down that way. Yeah, Projects. yeah. I think we talked about that last time. Um, was again sort of understanding te- the technically the potential for the for the project and also timing for you know when it could actually start generating cash flow for you. Um, just to just finish off on Eric because he pops up a lot in these conversations because he's he's spread far and wide. Uh, obviously, he's getting more meaningful for you. He's not a he's not on the board, but he is a large shareholder. Is he? How often do you hear from him? Uh, I talk to Eric quite a bit. Uh, you know, I'm probably one of he he's intrigued by the royalty space. You know, we still, we got involved with him because we had three percent at the uh, uh, NSR at Fenelon, and we sold him one percent, and he got involved with the uh, in a small private placement, and then then did this, uh, uh, the Alina credit, and now more recently done the, uh, the Jarrett Canyon thing. Uh, we accept like still working with him. I, I, I talk to him regularly. I mean, at least a few times a week and probably one of the, uh, one of the few guys who can say he, he probably calls me more than I call him because he's, he <laughs> really is intrigued with the royalty space and He's never owned, but believe it or not, in everything he's owned, he's never owned a royalty company before. So, That's interesting to us because uh, he's excited because we see his name come up, and you know he obviously has spread his money far and wide, and it, it you know it feels like there there are some things that he's stepping back from, and um, some things he's more interested than in others, and I just. That's, it's interesting to know that he is uh, this fascination for the royalty space. Um, okay, and can I can I just ask you about the Woolbridge and Balmoral deal and what the implications are for you? Well, uh, I don't know that that that's so important to us. We don't have a royalty on the Balmoral ground that's that's being picked up there. Okay, uh, only on the original Fenelon ground. I think the uh, the transaction is going to be important uh, for Wallbridge's efforts to expand what they call Area 51, which is this lower grade detour lake type of uh, potential deposit. Mm. Uh, but that's very, very long term. Uh, you know, that'll take years and years and thousands, hundreds of thousands of meters of drilling to define even even define something there that's uh, uh, you know that's big enough to uh, to warrant uh, uh, the, the production. Okay. What we're most excited about at Fenelon is the work they're doing right there in the high grade section. Which uh, you know now they may find other high grade sections on the Balmoral ground, but uh, it, 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 the, the, it's far enough away that it won't. Uh, they they'll continue to go deeper. They've now. With their drilling this since the last time we talked, they've outlined about two and a half to three million ounces of high grade, which is literally right below the workings where they did the bulk sample. Uh, in fact, it's the six level drift that they're actually drilling from to be to be uh, able to outline that underground. It's getting so deep, and 
Uh, and, uh, again, I have a really nice slide where I've done an inset uh, on the current uh, uh, resource and, and the, uh, the vein structure there and, and inset in the, uh, the current mine infrastructure down to six levels. And you can see that as they get deeper there, in that part of the world, the structures tend to be almost 90 degrees perfectly vertical. So consequently, you're in a situation where to drill deeper, you keep having to go out further and further on the, from the surface. And so the idea is to get down, you know, they got down six levels underground and they're drilling, you know, already from about 800, 900 meters underground. Now they've defined this, this two and a half million ounces and, and they have applied for a small miners permit and what we're anticipating and what the company is saying they would probably do is go down another six levels, uh, not only to, to be mining uh, some of this high grade that they've identified, hmm. but also to get down another six or eight levels so that they can continue to drill underground and find out just how big this thing is, so, is going to be. So get. what are the implications for you, though, what you and your shareholders? What, is, what does that tell you? Well, if, if uh, you know, if, if for the grades and thicknesses that they're seeing in the recent drilling and, uh, you know, extrapolating out the, uh, <clears throat> the results that they got from the bulk sample uh, at the, at the at year and a half ago, uh, it's grades of about 20 grams a ton is, I think, I think it averaged 18. 19 grams a ton. Uh, and, uh, you know, they seem to be finding plenty more of that. Like I said, now, and when they, when they did that, they had only had about 60, 80,000 ounces outlined in, when they went and did the bulk sample. Uh, but, uh, you know, our income on a 2% NSR with no deductions for toll milling, even with the small miners permit of four or 500 tons a day, at today's gold prices, that'll that, that'll generate one and a half to two million dollars a year of revenue for us, and and we think if it could literally start later this year because they're waiting for that permit, and while they, um, you know, ideally, they will ultimately probably build their own mill on site. There is not a mill there now. They're trucking the ore from the bulk sample and from any other work they do near term to a mill that's a hundred kilometers away. Uh, and uh, so ultimately, once they def def define the, the, uh, how much they have there then, and, and decide how much, you know, what kind of production would drive what size a mill to build. And, uh, you know, we think that, but we think in the meantime, they will, uh, they'll, they'll be enticed to produce at that four or 500 tons a day. And, and ultimately it could get much bigger. I mean, they could, that could be a, at the size they're finding, that could ultimately be a, a 150 to 200,000 ounce a, a year producer, you know, which would produce at today's gold prices for us, uh, you know, four or five, six million dollars a year. So exciting times, uh, exciting yeah. times. So there's that incredible, incredible upside in that one. Yeah. Fantastic upside. So um, your shareholders are going to get dividends this year, are they? You, you know, I'm not sure this year will be a dividend, the dividend year. It's uh, the goals and, and, and under the goals that we set for 2020, we gave ourselves a dividend program 2000 to 2021. Uh, 
We believe that a dividend program is essential for a royalty company, uh, but we want to make sure of two things. One, we want to make sure that the dividend is meaningful. Uh, and meaningful, you know, I think a 1% dividend would be meaningful. Uh, we don't want to do too small a one because there's, for a small company like ours, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of fixed costs and expenses that go with paying a dividend uh, that, that we have to be cognizant of. What are those? Uh, and what we want to be able to, and, and the second thing is, we do not want to have to institute a dividend program that might have to be trimmed back. We want a dividend program that has all the potential to grow. So while it, it, it may be 2000 and late 2020, uh, but certainly by 2021 with the, with the assets we have in the books right now, all other things being equal, we'll be instituting that dividend program. Tell me about this, because I'm, I'm learning all the time here. So what are the associated costs? You, you make two points, the associated costs, and then obviously some dividend plans that you don't want to necessarily have to cut back. So talk me through those. Well, it's just the, uh, first of all, there's an account, uh, additional accounting expense, but it's just the physical uh, issuing of checks and mailing them out. You have to have a transfer agent. You have to issue a check to every one of your, you know, hundreds, of, uh, maybe thousands of shareholders. And uh, it's just that basic uh, expense of doing that. Uh, there's a certain amount of, uh, uh, like I said, accounting and, and legal expense that, that goes with that as well. But just the physical part of mailing out the dividend checks uh, uh, that, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, with the dividend program, there's not really a lot of alternatives. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that uh, is still you know, done by a paper check, printed and uh, stuck in the uh, in the U.S. or Canadian mail, and we know we know how <laughs> how dependable that Canadian mail can be. Right, and then the second point you made there was um, you said you didn't want to have to have to reevaluate or cut back on any potential dividend plan. I mean, what, what, why would that ever be the case? Well, I just don't, that's just not the optics of a growth company and, 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 uh, you know, and, and of paying a dividend. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I think that uh, you institute a dividend program, you put down all the initial expenses and everything else, and you have that anticipation in the market. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I've never heard of anything good happening with the stock when they cut their dividend. Uh, and, uh, you know, while at our stage, it might not be a uh, mortal uh, <laughs> mistake, but it just, uh, I, th I think the idea of a dividend program is we get it instituted, we make it meaningful, uh, and we make it something that can, that can grow over the years as our portfolio matures. And that way, when people look out, if, if they can feel they can start to depend on that dividend and they can say, well, geez, they, if I look at these guys' profile, if I buy the stock today, it has a 1% dividend. But, it, you know, I can see, you know, down the road uh, through 2022, 2023, when you start to look at, at that growth in revenue that we have and that dependable royalty revenue, mm. uh, especially, then... Uh, you know, they can see their way that geez, with dividend increases, uh, uh, their yield on their initial investment is, is uh, you know, going to be a very handsome dividend. Beautiful. Like, okay, so you've, you've had a great 2019. 
you've started 2020 off storming. You've hit your you hit your annual targets already, um, but you're not going to rest on your laurels. So it's going to be a good 2020. Um, are you guys going to reward yourself for that? <laughs> uh, we have a pretty set bonus plan. I mean, I think uh, you know. Again, keep in mind that uh, uh, we operate like a royalty company. Our our lo- overhead is low. We have two full. T- we do do all of this with two full time employees, Jerry and myself. Uh, Jerry does most of the, all of the field work and a lot of the property and. I do the sales and we together fared out the royalties. I do most of the contract work uh, before it even gets to the attorney. So we do all of that ourselves. So while we do have a bonus program that uh, we've instituted every year and, and, uh, and, and will this year, um, it, it really only affects Jerry and I and a, and a few part-time uh, employees that uh, that aren't making that much anyway. So, uh, it uh, yeah, we uh, uh, J- Jerry makes sure that uh, he he keeps reminding me it's bonus time. <laughs> I bet, I bet. But these conversations are a lot easier when the uh, share price is heading north rather than south. So uh, long may that continue. I'm sure your shareholders won't won't mind um, if, if if things continue as they are. Um, Trey, thanks so much for the catch up. Brilliant. And um, things have gone quite well for you. And, uh, you know, I do hope they continue going that way. It sounds like some big deals happening later this year. Keep the focus, keep the hunger, keep delivering. Yeah. Well, keep, uh, if, if the shareholders and, and your uh, subscribers, clients, uh, you know, just keep an eye on us uh, and watch the news. You know, you'll see steady news flow from us. And like I said, don't be surprised if you see another, you know, another transaction on Jarrett Canyon. Don't be surprised if you see another transaction on the REN deposit. Uh, we, you know, we've, we, we've got our eyeballs on things. And, and actually, we're seeing very good uh, currently uh, interest in the property package. So those sales will will continue. Uh, I got an email from someone in uh, in Europe today looking for property. Uh, just did a deal with a, with a, uh, a British company, or actually an Irish company All right, uh, coming over here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in fact, the the other one, the other European one, is it's both both are Irish, two different Irish companies. Right. Uh, but still seeing good demand out there, uh, and and again, you know, we're putting together some property packages. We just announced a deal where we consolidated Tonopah uh, district, hmm. uh, picked up a bunch more patented claims, and we just sold that to BlackRock for three million dollars over the next uh, four years. So. Again, as we're growing, uh, we're also growing in the size of those sale transactions. That's that's the largest sale transaction uh, that we've done. Fantastic. Well, Trey, stay in touch. Don't don't leave us alone next time. Uh, sounds like there's a lot of news coming down. So pick up that phone and give us a call when you've got something to say. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.